0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Coddighy. With Nissan. On News Talk. Yes, joining me on the soapbox at six today on The Hard Shoulder, Dr Peter Boylan, former Master, of course, of the National Maternity Hospital at Hollis Street. Uh, Peter, it is good to see you and thanks a million uh, for coming into studio. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about Sláinte Care and it is probably actually worth reminding people uh, exactly what Sláinte Care is because it is... Seven years into uh, the 10-year plan uh, to implement Slaugia Care, it was this shared vision. It's set out in the current programme for government, universal health and social care system where everybody has equitable access to services based on need and not ability uh, to pay. So it was agreed upon in 2017 and a 2027 date would see it come to fruition. You, you you have got people at home, this is radio, so people can't uh, see the look of sheer scepticism on Peter's face when I say 2027, we're going to see this all come to fruition.
1: Yeah, no, I, don't, I think 2027 is completely unrealistic. I think it's a mixed picture. On the GP side, the aspirations to provide free health care to the majority of the population has been offered, but there's very poor take up. Um, and the minister has recently ordered an investigation as to why there's such a poor take-up of the offer of free health care to a large section of the population. On the hospital side, however, it's completely different. And we have a huge private hospital uh, operation in Ireland. Um, 47% of the population have private health insurance. And increasingly, the public sector are outsourcing to the private sector. 600 million planned over the next few years, two or three years and £200 this year alone on the National Treatment Purchase Fund which all goes to the private sector. So these are public
0: patients being treated in private hospitals, funded by the public
1: purse. Funded by the public purse in order to um, reduce waiting lists and so on. Now, if slanty care really is going ahead, well, then that money would be much better invested in building hospital facilities. For example, there's the three um, elective hospitals which are supposed to be built in in Cork, Galway and Dublin. They've got the sites for for Cork and Galway. They haven't even chosen a site in Dublin yet. So that shows you how slow the whole thing is going and uh, that's a source of real concern. I think the private sector in Ireland is so big that it's not going to go away. So I think what needs to happen is that there needs to be some way of involving them other than the way it's going at the moment uh, in providing health care. Now, throughout Europe, you have um, universal health insurance either paid by the by the employer, by the employee, by a combination of both, or in addition, a small proportion, around 10% in most European mm. countries have, and including Scandinavia, have taken out private health insurance. That allows those people to basically jump the queue the way we have it in Ireland at the moment. so a fully fully financed um, public health service I think is really unachievable and if you look at if, if all private practice, for example is taken out of public hospitals, that's a huge loss of income to them. If you take the rotunda, for example, which is the largest maternity hospital in in Ireland. Uh, the busiest one, they uh, cost hundred and two million roughly to run in twenty twenty two. The HSE grant was eighty six million, so that left them with a the sixteen million gap in funding, which they made up through private patients coming through, who are insured, mm. uh, and that allowed them to offset uh, government expense. Now, one of the ironies, of course, is with the, again with the whole care thing, is that the VHI, which is the largest health insurer, is owned by the state. So the state owns a huge health insurer. And yet at the same time, the state health policy is to have universal health service free at the point of. So So,
0: remind us what the vision was within Sláinte Care for private hospitals. Were they just going to exist kind of independent of it?
1: Yeah, I I think the sort of the ideology was that if everybody had access to good public health care, the private sector would shrivel and go away. Mm. That's
0: not happening. The private healthcare sector in Ireland is growing rapidly. But that uh, would necessitate then either the state taking over those private hospitals or building replacement hospitals to cover the patients who are, certain, who are being treated in them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it
1: would. And, and both are impractical. Um, and yeah.
0: it costs way too much uh, to build enough hospitals to
1: replace the private sector. And it would cost way too much to buy all those hospitals. So some form of, of I think, of universal health insurance model Uh, similar to what goes on in most places in Europe, is probably the best way forward from the point of view of the hospital side of delivery of healthcare. Yeah. Now, we've heard a lot about the new consultants contract, for example, the private-only or public-only, I should say, public-only consultant contract, where when all private practice is taken out of public hospitals, the consultants who are appointed from now on, basically, from last year onwards, will only be offered a public-only contract. That's for 37 hours a week. Now, what they do after that is up to them. So those consultants can still go and work in the Blackrock Clinic or the Galway Clinic. Or well, so it's not really work. public only. It's, it's, it's a
0: full kind of working
1: week of public. But you, can, you can do that in three hours, days. Which, which you can do it in three days, three and a half days, really. Yeah. So, in point of fact, it's kind of similar to what the old contract is. So, you know, if, if they're going to do it properly, they really need to, to do it properly. Now, um the fact that the consultants will be allowed to do private practice outside the public hospital system suggests to me that their heart really isn't in it because uh, otherwise they would, they would ban them. And of course if you look at us as well on the maternity side which is what I'm most familiar with there's no um, private maternity system all private maternity care takes place in the maternity hospitals and the maternity units throughout the country and the general hospitals mm. so if Private practices banned from public hospitals. That removes choice from women who will want to go to their own chosen consultant on a private basis. Yeah. So that's something that they haven't addressed at all. We've heard nothing about that, and that's a huge elephant in the room, if you like. So, so what what are women going to do? Are they
0: going to have a choice? Uh, and it doesn't look like it at the moment. So. You know. Sláinte care and, and where it is at the moment, and, and, and I don't think anybody listening to this would take seriously the idea that the, the kind of 10 year plan to, to implement it would be done and dusted by 2027. Um, it, I mean, are we to blame kind of political malaise, intransigence within the system, or was it just flawed? Was the plan flawed from the start? Uh, the but way you the describe idea, it, it sounds idea. like there were serious flaws in it, and they, they had this idea that. All of those private hospitals around the country, you know, kind of might exist parallel to this system that 90% of the population would be accessing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was sort of mom and apple pie at the beginning in that it's a wonderful idea. But in practical terms and the way the health system in Ireland has developed with the voluntary hospital system first, which a lot of those are owned outside the state, Mm. but funded by the state. And yeah. that's that's for historical reasons and they do tremendous work on all the rest of it. So nobody's saying that the voluntary system should be wound up by any means. In fact, the model of governance in most of the most of the, most, uh, of the uh, voluntary hospitals is is excellent with outside. The same. The education
0: the system is the same way.
1: Yeah. Well, the education system—that's another day's work altogether. <laughs> yeah. With we, we won't go down that road. No. <laughs> but no, I think a rethink um, on the on the hospital side of things about how to fund, how to involve the the private system and the public system, so that everybody has access to both uh, through insurance type funding. And it was originally proposed in 2011. That was the way things were, were going to go. But after the financial crash, um, that co- caused a, a rethink. And you had the all-party okay. all, all agreement on under the Sláinte Care chaired by Roisin Shortall, who recently said, in fact, in 2020, that it's, it's unrealistic at the pace it's going mm. and that it's been put on the back burner and it'll be sort of sometime in the future. But I don't think
0: it'll ever happen, really, in the way it was originally envisaged. So the problem we're trying to solve here is timely access to hospital care, is it? Is that the most fundamental problem? So timely access, so that we don't have people kind of languishing on waiting lists for for, for long periods of time in the public system. So to use that dreadful phrase, we are where we are, if, if that's our starting point... Yeah. How? How then, if if Slonja Care was flawed in its design, how do we get well a combination of things? One one is to build the elective hospitals that are
1: planned, and so that. People will not have their operation cancelled because of emergencies admitted over the weekend. And we're, it's well acknowledged, I think, by all policymakers uh, that we we don't have enough beds in the Irish hospital system. So build those beds and then incorporate the private hospitals through a universal insurance method uh, approach, similar to what goes on in Europe. Mm. And then allow people, if they want to, to take out a little bit of extra private insurance if they want to, and, you know, you can, you can vary it so that people in low incomes pay no insurance, but they get full care, get access to some private hospitals and so yeah. on. So you might, for example, want to have a hip replacement. You can go to CAPA uh, if you're a public patient, or you could go to the BlackRock Clinic, but you might have to pay a little bit extra to go to the BlackRock Clinic. So you could take out a small amount of extra insurance to cover those eventualities. Okay. But it, and you would have hospitals, if you like, bidding for for work. Uh, and efficient hospitals would do well in efficient
0: universal health insurance um, I I mentioned right at the start of this how the current programme for government 2020 version commits itself to slainter care the 2011 programme for government I think committed itself to a universal health insurance model that was James (laughs) Riley's baby wasn't it uh, James Riley is the cause of a lot of problems in oh, I well, James not we, here well, we're not going to no, exactly. go there
1: so
0: it's, not fair. There. it's not fair no listen it's really interesting talking mm. to you and getting a sense um, from somebody who understands the system from the inside out um, exactly what the shortcomings are not just in terms of implementation but in terms of design as well yeah. it appears uh, Dr Peter Boylan is the former Master of the National Maternity Hospital at Hollis Street, uh, thanks a million uh, for joining us The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Codahy. With Nissan. Weekdays from 4. On News Talk.